Hey, Table Church, and hey, Juan, thank you for that amazing worship uh, that you just led us through, very spirit-filled, and we're so grateful for you. And I just want to say to all of you visitors, we're grateful that you're here with us visiting. You're our beloved guests, as well as our beloved members. And I just want to say that we're choosing not to meet in person right now because we feel like it's essential for us when we do reopen the Table Church San Francisco for us to do it in a way that's safe for all people, especially those who are vulnerable among us. And so right now we're waiting. We're choosing to wait out of love for you. And so as we shelter in place and we worship in place, we're gathering together virtually like this. We're hoping, we're praying, we're waiting uh, that it won't be too much longer. But when we do, it will be done in a, a way that communicates excellence, communicates safety and love for all of us. Uh, so today we're actually concluding a series that we've been in called Resurrection Living. Yeah, that's right. Today is our last episode, and uh, our last episode is going to be called God is Our Crisis Comforter. God is Our Crisis Comforter. We have high highs and we have low lows, don't we? Just, uh, this, just this weekend, we're experiencing sort of uh, a high high with astronauts going into space, another successful launch into space, uh, arms raised, victorious, uh, gave us chills as we watched that, did it not, made us perhaps cry and shout. Uh, what a high high. Uh, and yet we are also reminded uh, this week and even this weekend of such a low, low, that, that, that we are in crisis there is crisis going on. We're gripped by disease. We're, we're gripped by unemployment. We're gripped by systemic racism. And we're gripped uh, by an outrage at the police, at everything that's going on. We need help. We need help. We need counseling. And we need comfort. We need comfort. And so that's why we're calling this God is our crisis comfort. There's crisis, yet there's comfort coming into the midst of the crisis. There's comfort that comes in. You know, comfort, uh, the type of comfort that shrimp and grits won't really give us, the type of comfort that more mac and cheese really won't give us, the type of comfort that going on a vacation or a massage or going into the sauna really won't give us, that a pillow or another nap or your sheets or your bed comforter really won't give you. And that's because we really long for and we really need a, a, a comforter, a person who is a comforter to come into our crisis. In fact, all of those comforts that we were just mentioning, the mac and grits and the shrimp and grits and the vacation and the massage and all of those, a lot of those comforts, perhaps all of those comforts, are only afforded by some of us. It's a privilege that we get to experience those comforts. Yet, what if comfort came to us instead of us trying to pursue it and hope that we actually attain comfort one day? Or perhaps that if we get comfort, that how long will we be able to sustain that comfort before it just vanishes or slips right through our fingers, sending us on another desperate chase for comfort. But what if comfort came to us? And what if when comfort came to us, comfort spoke to us, 
spoke words of wisdom, spoke words of truth, spoke words of hope and freedom and spoke words of liberation to us. That's what we're looking at today. Whenever we look at God as our crisis comforter, two things that we're gonna see in our passage is that God, the comforter, comes to us. And number two, that God, the comforter, speaks to us. Well, let's look at this first one here, that God, the comforter, comes to us. The passage we're using here is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, where Jesus, speaking to his disciples, and again, this passage here, John chapter 14, shows up in the midst of Jesus's farewell discourse. That's right, John chapter 13 through 17 is Jesus's farewell discourse. And so in chapter 14, Jesus is giving them some words of comfort. He needs them to be assured that comfort is not just a feeling, but it's a person known as the Holy Spirit that's gonna come to them and is gonna speak to them. Well, let's read this passage, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Listen there, Jesus' words there in verse 15. If you love me, then keep my commandments. That's right. Loving God means that we actually obey the commandments with joy, with... That's our calling. These aren't suggestions. In context here, Jesus' command to them shows up in John chapter 13, the chapter preceding this one, where he's washing the disciples' feet and he's telling them, a new commandment I give you which was actually a reminder. It wasn't a new commandment, but a new command I give you is to love one another in the same way that I've loved you. That's what we're to be doing. That's how the Spirit, when when the Spirit comes to us, it leads us to love others. 1 John chapter 4 says, anyone who does not love does not know God. Well, think about how powerful those words are when we think about injustice in our world, when we think about pain from the hands of one person to the hands of another going on in our world, whenever it says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Jesus is letting us know here that he's empowering us by the Holy Spirit to love others. Yes, even others who are unlovable, meaning even others who are not going to love us back. Embracing those who are hurting, giving and going, giving of our resources and going past our comfort zone into dangerous zones so that we might extend the love of God to others. So here's a quick application for us as we shelter in place here in San Francisco, that to love one another right now means to stay at home. And if you must venture out, and it's essential, wear a mask. That you choose to wear a mask because you're deferring to one another. You're choosing one another's safety as more important than anything else. It communicates care. 
Loving one another also means to be patient with those that think that this whole thing is some conspiracy theory. That yes, we live in a nation that has even politicized even a disease like this. As Victor Hugo says in Les Mes, to love another person is to see the face of God. Yes, that's it. That God's image is on every person. And so to love that person is to embrace each person as though they've been created by God to to love them, to be kind to them. Verse 16, Jesus says, the Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, in some translations, this says that the Father's gonna give you another helper. He's gonna give you another counselor. He's gonna give you another teacher, instructor, intercessor. Really, the Greek word here, and I love this word, is it's paraclete. That's a very fun word to say, paraclete. That the Father, Jesus is saying, is going to give you, disciples and followers of Jesus. Remember Jesus, this is his farewell discourse. He's about to die. He's going to rise from the dead. And as we learned last week, he ascended to the Father, but he assures them before all this takes place, that he's going to leave them a paraclete, one called alongside them. That's what that word means. Called alongside them to do what? To help them, to teach them, to guide them, to counsel them, and to comfort them. These disciples must have felt abandoned at this discourse, this farewell discourse that Jesus is giving them. The disciples readily, however, went to Jesus with their troubles, with their pain, with their doubt. Yes, Jesus says, bring all of that. The table church says, sure, bring all of that. That's all of us as we interact with Jesus. Jesus had true care for them, soothing words, words of comfort and actions of comfort, just like the Good Samaritan who gave comfort. The Good Samaritan who had actions to truly care and extend comfort to someone else. See, see, God is not wearied when giving comfort to others. We we get tired. We we get overwhelmed. We we have some sort of limit, humanly speaking, naturally speaking. We, We run out of energy whenever we're trying to give comfort to others. But God is not wearied. Jesus wants his followers to know that God, through the very presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who comes to you, will not get tired of giving comfort to you in the midst of all of our brokenness, neediness. Do you think of the Holy Spirit as a person like this? That's exactly how the Bible represents God the Father God the Father is a person. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is a person. God the Holy Spirit is a person. Each of those is a person. Each of those are God, one God, in mysterious unity. And so to come alongside, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing, is reassuring someone who's going through something traumatic or going through some sort of pain. Here's another application for us right now is how are we called, how are we called to be an advocate right now and to help others in this moment? We have prayer partners. 
We've challenged everyone in our church to choose a prayer partner within the church and to connect with that person, to offer words of encouragement, words of hope, to meet virtually during the week, to call each other, to pray for each other. That's so powerful. That's what it looks like. It also looks like us volunteering as a church. We're volunteering with the Bayview Senior Center, delivering meals, and you should see the look on these seniors' faces who are vulnerable and who can't get food to feed themselves. As we partner with the Bayview Senior Center, it is such a joy to be an advocate, helping those and bringing comfort to those in need, specifically in light of ongoing murders of black and brown-skinned bodies, brothers and sisters of ours, specifically in light of the racism that our Asian American siblings are facing, that we are called to be advocates for those beloved brothers and sisters, those who feel threatened, those who feel unsafe, that we're being called and challenged to advocate, to interrogate our own complicities toward white supremacy by asking a very Jesus-centered type question. Here's the challenge. What does the gospel require of me to stand in solidarity with those who Jesus loves and weeps over right now? What does that look like? What does the gospel require of me to stand in solidarity with those that Jesus weeps over? Let us keep growing together. Let us Let us keep growing together as the Holy Spirit comes to us and and hopefully is empowering us to be an advocate. Now, certainly so easy to say these words from my couch and perhaps easy for you as you're listening to this uh, from your couch. Another thought-provoking question would be, what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for you to bring power and to bring privilege to see change happen in the systems around us that are harming our friends. What would that look like? This is really challenging. And the hope here, the hope here, it 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 keeps going here. Verse 17 uh, tells us, Jesus is saying, you know this paraclete. You know him for he dwells with you. And then he says this, and he will be in you. That's right. Jesus is saying that this paraclete, this one caught alongside to help you, will not only be beside you, he's not only going to get up really close to you, he's not only going to be for you, but he's going to be in you. We should say that again, that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. He's living inside of you. He comes to you, and this produces humility. People will always, people will always try to create some sense of classism. Even in Christianity, there can be classism so that people can feel superior to each other. Trying to make others feel like they don't have as much of the Holy Spirit as you do because they don't speak in tongues or they don't have some other gift that you feel like you have. I just want to give you some words of encouragement that you don't need more of the Spirit 
You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. You've got all of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit came into you when you became a follower of Christ. That's a promise. When God comes into your life, he brings all of his stuff on the very first trip. He doesn't have to come in a second time and bring an extra set of stuff. Rather, we should be asking, does the Spirit of God have all of me? Am I continually surrendering and submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life? See, the Bible is more about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, yes, God living inside of you, the Holy Spirit begins a process of producing that fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And some of you may be thinking right now, well, I just don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I feel the Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Christ, is in you and working to bring comfort inside of you, even if you don't feel the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis quote here says, it is quite right that you should feel that something terrific has happened to you. It has. And be all glowy. Accept these sensations with thankfulness as birthday cards from God. But remember that they are only greetings, not the real gift. I mean, it is not the sensations that are the real thing. The real thing is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which can't usually be, perhaps not ever, experienced as a sensation or emotion. The sensations are merely the response of your nervous system. Don't depend on them. Otherwise, when they go and you are once more emotionally flat, as you certainly will be quite soon, you might think that the real thing had gone too. But don't worry. Don't worry, he says. Uh, but it won't. It will be there when you can't feel it. May even be most operative when you can feel it least. See, whether you feel the Holy Spirit's presence or not, the truth is the Comforter has come to you, follower of Christ. Take comfort, take hope, take confidence in that. Now, you might be thinking at this point, what are you talking about? What does this even mean? look like? How do you even experience this? Let me, let me just try to briefly describe what this experience has been like for me personally. To experience the advocacy of the Holy Spirit is most, I would say, poignantly experienced in my own life whenever I risk things. And what I mean by that is the risk of drawing close to people who are in pain. There's a risk there when you draw close to someone who's in pain. You have to, by the Spirit's empowering, enter, try to enter into their pain. There's, there's risking safety by serving and helping others. Risking being misunderstood when I identify as a Christian, speaking to someone, taking a risk, wondering if they're even going to understand what I'm talking about. These risks and entering into those risks by the Spirit's presence is where I've felt 
the experience of the Holy Spirit, empowering me and giving me his comfort. When we take risk, see the comfort, the comfort that this crisis counselor or this crisis comforter gives us is that he comes to us, but also that he speaks to us. Yeah, the comforter speaks to us. I'm gonna read a new passage here, John chapter 16, verses seven through 15. Jesus says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Yes, God the Holy Spirit speaks. Hallelujah. Thank you for speaking to us, Holy Spirit. And let me just say this, that the Holy Spirit does not speak to us by agreeing with everything that we do or everything that we think is right. Sort of giving us a wink and a smile and saying, go ahead, I'm going to act as though I didn't see that. No, as comforter and true comforter, the Holy Spirit speaks truth to us. Verse 8 said, Jesus said that the Spirit will actually confront us or convict us regarding our sin. That is, that the Spirit living inside of you, God himself, will reveal sin to us. See, remember that Jesus is not the spotlight of the world. Yes, right. Jesus is not a spotlight that the, the, the Christian who's trying to act like some morality cop can grab this spotlight and point it on this person or this particular issue that they want to go after in another person's life or that they feel like is the most sinful behavior or activity, meanwhile possessing tons of arrogance, tons of pride in their own life. Such irony. No, Jesus is not the spotlight of the world. Jesus says he's the light of the world, which means that light shines everywhere. Shines on the world and shines on you, dear Christian. Yes, you, inside of you. That the Holy Spirit, after, re after revealing our sins, causes us to repent of sin, to, to actually have a changed feeling towards sin, to begin to hate it and to repudiate it, to begin to see how sin is, is some sort of thief stealing joy from us, dehumanizing us. See, the Holy Spirit in, empowers you to turn from sin. That's why the Spirit speaks to you and lets you know that something is sinful in your own life. Then the Holy Spirit allures you to Jesus. Yeah, the Holy Spirit allows you to turn from sin, but then allows you uh, to be allured to Jesus, that you would see Jesus as holy and you would see Jesus as 
overwhelmingly loving. See, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and it produces incredible humility within us. What if non-Christians, what if our non-Christian friends, and perhaps some of you even listening right now as a non-Christian, you're curious, you're giving it serious thought right now if you want to become a follower of Jesus, but what if non-Christians were finally, finally able to say of Christians, those are the people who are humble. Those are the people who know they don't have all the answers. Those are the people who aren't cocky and arrogant and judgmental of others. What if that were so? What if those were the superlatives that others, namely non-Christians, were able to say of Christians? See, as Christians, we, had a, we have a lot of we were wrong moments, don't we? I'm thinking of the Gentile inclusion. I'm thinking of slavery. I'm thinking of women's rights. I'm thinking of interracial marriage. We have, a lo- we have a long list of we were wrong moments in our history. And may the Comforter keep speaking to us, to reform us, to keep speaking truth to us. Now, how is it that you develop a deeper relationship with this person, the Holy Spirit, this Comforter, who comes to you and speaks to you? One application, one application here is to listen to listen. Several of you are in a space right now of needing wisdom. You're about to make huge decisions in your life right now. And so you need, to, you need to be listening to God's voice. You need to be listening to the counselor speak to you and give you direction, give you calling, give you confidence to move in a particular direction. Some of you are hearing a different voice. Some of you are hearing a voice that reminds you that you've only failed and that God doesn't love you. And you need this comforter. You need this comforter reminding you of his voice, saying that because of Christ and because you're in union with Christ, you are loved by Christ. Christ died for you. Christ lived for you. Christ is coming back for you. And as helper and advocate, the Holy Spirit takes you out of that despair. It takes you out of that darkness and sends you back to Jesus and sends you there so that Jesus can remind you of these words of eternal life. Another application for us as we listen to the Holy Spirit is found in Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Another application here with listening is to to help one another listen to the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Help your, your, your brother and sister who's also a Christian hear the voice of God instead of trying to train them to listen to your voice. See, it's better for me to give you space so that you can listen to God's voice and time to pursue listening to God's voice. It's better for you to give me space to listen to God's voice. Yes, we speak truth to one another, but we get out of the way and we allow God to do the changing, the leading, 
the true helping. Let us be here for one another. Let us be here for our city and thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our comforter that comes to us and comes to speak to us. Now, in conclusion, the Holy Spirit has power to change us. Yes, the Holy Spirit has the power to change you. If you're struggling right now as an addict or there's some addiction or there's some habit going on in your life that, that you're just so tired of right now, the Holy Spirit's presence and power can bring change inside of you. In fact, from the inside out, it's possible. And that if you're struggling with guilt that you can't seem to get past right now, allow the comforter, the crisis comforter, to come to you perpetually and lead you to Christ so that, so that you know that you're forgiven, so that, you, so that your guilt does not control you, that God is present with us and at work. And if you're in grief right now, over as I am, if you're in grief and in sadness regarding the prejudice and, and, and the racism, allow God, our comforter, our crisis comforter to come to you again and again and bring his love and his comfort so that we may go and be an advocate for others. Let us pray right now. God of all comfort, God of all comfort, we remember Psalm 147, verse three that said, God heals the brokenhearted and heals their wounds. Heal our black brothers and sisters who are in pain right now due to perpetual injustice. Spirit of truth, comfort us with your indwelling power and presence. We remember Psalm 119, verse 50, that says, My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Thank you for establishing the link between us and Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. We pray in your name, O Christ. Amen.